Peggy Gow with It Makes You Forget. And thank you to everyone who texted in saying that basically they're getting sick of Facebook and have been moving away from it, finding it irrelevant, especially for the 20-somethings and under. I appreciate all the feedback, but it is now quarter past 10 and time for movies, movies, movies. Joining me in the studio, my film lord, Hello. Welcome back from Hello, the U.S., and welcome to FBI Radio. Yay. How was it? Oof, oh. Let me just say, it's so glad to be doing it live with you, Bridie, and not into some H5 recorder in a car park, uh, yeah, it's which so we've been nice. doing for the past few days. I'm so glad that we're here. Yeah. I'm so glad that we rushed here straight from the airport. It's the longest commute I've ever done. I don't mm. know about you. We did love the recordings, and they were hilarious, and I was very <laughs> keen to find out you'd met such celebrities as Sia mm. and also half of the Veronicas. Oh, my that God. That's true, yeah. That- she was a fan as well. Like mm. we, she came up to us. We got her to one of our screenings, which was the best part, the most humbling experience. I think it yeah. was so humbling. I'm humbled. But then I must say, the celebrity appearances kind of died down after that. We did not get that many, that much eye candy. But I did afterwards. get Sean D. Ross's phone number. That's actually amazing. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. And you also got sick, so don't forget that. Oh, totally. And we drove in an Uber with someone who had once driven Lord's mum, which is basically <laughs> clueless. So, so. oh, you drove in a jeep as well, which is clueless. We drove so. in a jeep and we stood up in the back and mm. played, you know, Grimes and, and Gwen Stefani and Fergie. It doesn't get any more LA than that. No, not really. Oh well, mm. welcome back to humble Australia. Thank um, you. What uh, what news have you got for us today, if any? There's so, only one thing in the news. You've been on a plane for how? So one thing in the news. Let me just say though, should we do a little shout out to Black Panther? Oh my god, do a little shout yeah. out to Black Panther. So this is like exciting news first. Yeah, if you want to know what is the hottest pick at the moment in America, it's Black Panther. It is getting so much buzz. There are billboards for it everywhere, almost more than. This is a new movie coming out. This is a new movie coming out. Yeah. Um, that features a full full black cast of superheroes and villains in the Black Panther universe. It's got a soundtrack by Donald Glover's Childish Gambino. Um, and uh, it's But the most exciting getting... news is Octavia Spencer. Octavia right. Spencer is booking out all of these cinemas in places where people who probably can't afford to go to the movies can go and see this movie. Mm. And it's just so amazing. Like People are just yeah. like, their like, love for cinema is going to be renewed, I think. And I've actually read somewhere that apparently she did that last year with her film Hidden Figures. She actually started booking out sessions and then just giving out free tickets to people who wouldn't normally go to the movies. And a lot of actresses and actors have actually followed suit and done the same with their films. So Black Panther is just going off and it's, I think it's going to hit the theatres all at the same time on the 15th of February. Yeah, I think you're right. In Just Australia after Valentine's In Australia as well. Yeah. Um, and Ten days. Ten days. But Ten days. really, the thing we're here to talk about today, mm. um, which I think we usually try and hype everything. We're usually like, okay, this is what's coming up. This is what's to look forward to. Mm. But Uma Thurman finally came out and did her New York Times article. Mm. And I kind of... We invited Courtney to be with us today. Is that okay mm-hmm. if I introduce Courtney? Yes, because please. Because... Um, really? Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like mm. we had to have someone who yeah. had experienced something come in and talk about this today. Yeah. Oh, so thank you, <laughs> I think we should just shift it straight over to you. Mm. Yeah, so Courtney, you uh, do community radio over in Perth. and I you- used to. I used to mm. um, many moons ago. But I work in the film industry in Sydney now. Um, I work in the art department doing set decoration and props. Mm. And you've experienced something mm. oh yeah kind of heavy mean, happen uh which we might get to i think in a yeah. bit mm-hmm. um but thank you so much for coming in today and discussing this news so what happened with uma thurman's article i haven't read it to, i haven't even heard you, of it do you want to summarize Courtney, oh yeah please even? do like yeah. basically what's happened yeah so 
I think maybe most of the listeners might have seen the video um, where she was asked to comment about the Weinstein saga, um, where basically she said she was just too angry. Um, and in the article, she says that as well as being angry, she was actually just about to burst into tears at that moment, which you can really, I mean, you can, you can see it now that you know it, you can just see it. Yeah. Um, but basically this new interview just, she talks about, she comes out about, um, you know, the abuse that she has suffered from Weinstein himself, um, and, you know, and Tarantino as well. And then towards, you know, the end of the article, she talks about how she was intimidated and pressured to drive a stunt vehicle that she had been told was unsafe. Um, by Tarantino and ends up getting in a in a really awful crash and has had permanent damage from that as well. Mm. And then was silenced <clears throat> effectively for fifteen years. For fifteen mm. years. And I, yesterday, I try after I read the article, I tried to find out more information. I tried to because obviously there's hundreds of crew members that were witness to the crash um, who have been silenced as well. There's nothing. I couldn't find anything about the crash um, that hadn't just been released in the past few days. Mm. And to give a bit of context, I think also Uma Thurman is so closely tied with Harvey Weinstein. She's made three films financed by his company that are pretty much like the epitome, epitome. Well, he's They're famous like, because of Pulp Fiction. He's famous because of Pulp Fiction and the Kill Bill franchise, yeah. and Uma Thurman has been at the front of those films. So you could almost assume that uh, Uma Thurman is the reason Harvey has had so much success in the past. Mm-hmm because he's always funded these like f- f- violent fem- feminist feminist films. Um, so it's just so like uh, industry-shattering to have her come out and finally tell her side of the story. Well, we're going to get a link up to the New York Times article you're talking about on the program page. People can just get along to fbiradio.com and click on Mornings so they can get a bit more backstory and context to the whole scenario. Courtney, we're going to come back and talk a bit more about your experiences working in the Australian film industry. And we're also going to talk about the two reviews from you guys, Jack mm-hmm. and Andre, real soon. I think we'll take a track now, though, first. This is Soccer Mummy from Nashville, Tennessee, with your dog. Sydney's own The Boys with Liar Liar and you tune into Mornings with me, Bridie Tanner. Joining me are film lords Jack, Andre and their friend Courtney Mulvey who is in for today's edition of Movies, Movies, Movies and we're very excited because it's now time for two reviews. Mm -hmm. What films are we going to review today? So this week Jack and I had the pleasure in LA of seeing Molly's Game and The Shape of Water at two beautiful cinemas let me just say. One of them was a retro vintage one and the other one was... so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And the other one was just like a huge megaplex uh, arcade place so we got, a, we got the best of both worlds. I know, and we thought it was the cinema from Mulholland Drive, mm. but they just had a picture of that cinema, but mm. it wasn't actually there. Are we going to start with Molly's Game we'll or The Shape? Molly's game. Let's dive straight into so it. So which, which cinema was Molly's Game in? So Molly's Game was playing at the Pacific Arcadia? Is what Americana. I'm, the the uh, Pacific Americana. Well is that the, the Megaplex? Or the that's the Megaplex. Yeah. Humongous. In like the Bellagio summer. Fountain. We're talking oh. like Billie Holiday blasting through this like crazy Shrek village of shops. Oh, like big time. Sephora I f- and Tiffany. I feel like they shot Ocean's Eleven there. It's so over the top <laughs> and just stupid. But um, And yeah, and the, and the entrance to it has just like 17 screens 
panels just all showing trailers it's just like this huge arcade anyway it's a roller coaster Molly's Game. Molly's Game. Here we go. Molly's Game opens with uh, Molly Bloom, played by Jessica Chastain, skiing down a snowy mountain. It's a mogul's qualification for the Winter Olympics, and she narrates her descent and deconstructs every mechanism of the sport. How to curve her ankle, bend her back, angle her body in order to maximise speed and agility. She launches off at high speed down the mountain... uh, Um, miscalculates an obstacle and flips off a jump into a painful and embarrassing pile of failure and mess. The two and a half hour film that follows this incident is Molly's Game, her life, how she ditched becoming a skier or going to law school and instead moving to LA and working as a manager for a celebrity poker game. The games she organises attract high calibre celebrities and eventually becomes so high stakes that the cops get involved and bust her. This is another film about the pressures of sport and the slamming effects of failing to impress your parents, but it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, who, for those who don't know his work, includes the high-speed banter of West Wing, the lyrical back-and-forth blah-blah-blah-blah-blah of The Social Network, and other other fast-paced chatty films about a particular topic. In this case, the topic is poker. And while Jessica Chastain totally convinces as a hard-working victim of a bitchy and bossy industry like gambling, it's Aaron Sorkin's script that makes you want to sit back and jack to this movie. It's long, dense, full of specifics about poker that no one could possibly understand unless for the second viewing. But if you're into high-fi, if you're into high-wire, fast-talking, like say Thirty Rock, West Wing, The Wire, or even the Ocean's Eleven movies, you'll think this is great. And as a total freak who religiously watched all of West Wing when I was 16 to no end, I totally saw the appeal of Molly's game, despite not having any interest in poker at all. Idris Elba plays Molly's lawyer, and Kevin Costner, her domineering father. Molly's game is currently in theatres. Jack, 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 I want to ask you first, how about seeing Michael Sarah in his old age playing a douchebag poker player? How freaky was that? Oh, my God. And he actually plays kind of the most serious role. Like, mm. he controls her career at one point. Like, mm. he's the freaky manipulator. But it's just Michael Sarah. He's just one of the many celebrities that are in on the game. And uh, it's just uh, totally <laughs> freaky seeing him in this... I don't know. I just always imagine him as super bad. It's as like a, a weird film populated by, like, supporting actors, mm. basically. Like, the whole film feels like an offshoot of, like, something that could, like, have... Mm. I don't know. Speaking of the film, though, I don't know about you, but I talked about the script a lot, and I felt like that's because I didn't even want to watch the film, just listen to the script. Uh, is that the effect that you had? Or because yeah, I just well, don't, you I just don't give a shit. Sleep about... in movies. I know, and I also don't give a shit about poker. So I almost <laughs> like, why was this not a podcast? Is what I want to know. I completely agree. I think we should just be an audio play. It should just be an audio. Mm. You know, was, uh, this one was based on a real story, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, she's yeah. real. Same as totally. Itonia. It's like mm. so similar to Itonia. Isn't like... it weird that two films would come out at the same time that mm. have such a vaguely similar? I mean, I haven't seen Molly's Game yet, but such a similar sort of synopsis or description. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. no, absolutely. I kind of, I guess, I kind of wish that Molly's Game had the style of Itonia and the just like the the hotness of it, and like, the charisma, and, and the charisma, and the personality, and the everything. I mean, apart from the script and Jessica Chastain, the film is a. a pretty dead film yeah. especially clocking in at two and a half hours but that's just me though but watch it like you would watch Netflix I think just like hold this one watch it on your laptop mm. you know <laughs> I agree because it is enjoyable but Which you can is, tune out we should have done that though we should have just put it on a computer and just watched it at home okay Molly's game in a word <laughs> in a word uh, oof to high stakes uh, with a um, hyphen in between um, <laughs> pine uh, pine cone how does she break a <gasps> pine cone? That's yeah. actually a clue for the film. So yeah. any of you guys out there listening, text in about it as well if you guys want to have your say. So while we were in Hollywood, we also saw The Shape of Water, which is Donatella Versace's favourite movie of the year. Woo! Um, it's in cinemas now, and it's the current favourite to win Best Picture and Best Director. It did that at the Golden Globes. 
And it's the kind of film that people are likely to tell you, like, you haven't got a soul if you don't like it, like Amelie or The Beatles or whatever, or, like, Coldplay. It's, um, it's about a love affair between a mute Sally Hawkins and the creature from the Black Lagoon, and it's set in a kind of cinematic purgatory, filled with piano accordion music, noir streetscapes, pie shops, homophobia, shady government agencies. Michael Shannon is this kind of perfect 1950s family man and a viciously evil villain who has these kind of, like, gangrenous fingers that, like, keep oozing and smelling. And he captured this kind of amphibious man for the government to do tests on. The Russians get involved, the dad from Call Me By Your Name is there, and he's obviously like a sweet conflicted Russian and the stakes rise and rise while Sally Hawkins our mute and often masturbating main character starts to feed him eggs and fall in love literally masturbating literally yeah. masturbating as part of her daily routine in the film it's like kind of it's like Pan's Labyrinth where you think it's going to be a family film but it's kind of not but it, it just is still yeah, yeah. Um, Sally's co-worker won't have a bar of it until she convinces her gay, lonely neighbour, um, the Russian scientist, and the Russian scientist spy to free the merman from the facility. Um, and then when, like, the merman is sentenced to death. Guillermo del Toro is the director, and he's having so much fun in this movie, it kind of feels, like, as schlocky as the neon demon. We're definitely laughing at the movie and cringing the whole time mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. I did have a single tear at the end when all of a sudden the mysterious title is explained in a poem. And maybe this is your perfect sort of pre-Valentine's movie. I guess I just like my love stories to be a bit more, um, like, messed up and I'd go and watch The Phantom Thread before this one again. What do you think, Andre? Where does this sit in Guillermo's career and who will love this movie, apart from Donatella Versace? I mean, I know that we try and make an effort to refer to The Matrix in every single episode. I think now's a really good time because when I was watching this film about a mute woman who falls in love with a merman, all I could think was, I wish the Wachowskis were doing it. I wish the Matrix directors were doing this film and not Guillermo del Toro Mm -hmm. because he does it in a very sort of like supernatural Woody Allen kind of way where it's very romantic and it's like obviously an ode to cinema, but it's also like kind of flat and kind of just, you know, it's like a little bit silly. Yeah. A little bit silly. What do you think the intentions were with this film? I know three billboards felt like it was meant to make you think about morals and right and wrong mm. and really set you up for that and gave you a lot of moral questioning. What do you think the intentions were for The the Shape of Water? We were talking about this the other day and I think the intentions are that, like, love is the flaws that you share. Mm. Yeah. You know, because I think the merman and Sally Hawkins fall in love because they can understand each other when no one else can. Mm. But... But then part of me kind of feels like Shrek does it so much better. So Shrek I go, does it so much better. Why would, you, why would you... It's like Shrek in a cardigan. It's mm. like, mm. okay, you're it's begging. Like, it's a bit desperate. The movie's a bit desperate. desperate. In a word, desperate? In a word, desperate. Would you agree, Andre? I swipe left. In, in a word, agreed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much for two reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do these films, they are, are they They're already? both out at the moment. They both came out on Thursday. So, but you've got to see them so mm. that you can have proper conversations about the Oscars. And you've also got to see them because after this week, all the hottest Oscar films that haven't come out in Australia yet are going to finally be flooding the cinemas and all the best picks, I think. Yeah. So get these ones out of the way quickly. Don't think about them too much. Maybe have a little snooze in them both, which is what I did. And then get ready for some better movies next week, I think. Yeah, like, and get ready for the flood. Mm. Here's the Oarsman with uh, by E for E out of Newcastle. We'll be back soon with more movies, movies, movies after this. You're on mornings with me, Bridie Tanner, and I am 
joined very graciously by my film lords, Jack and Andre. Uh, we're talking movies, movies, movies today, and you just heard their two reviews. They've brought in a friend and a guest, which I am having the absolute pleasure of getting to know off air. Courtney, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so, guys, please, how did you meet Courtney? And uh, and and give us a little bit more info about the girl with the bedazzled, broken arm in front of me. <laughs> Actually, it was Jack that did this bedazzling for me. And who broke the arm. <laughs> <laughs> you slipped on New Year's Eve. Um, we met five years ago. We we went to afters together, um, and on our first film set that we're together, it's funny like that we're talking about this today, and that the Uma art we're, we're basically we've been talking about the Uma Thurman article that dropped two days ago, Uma Thurman's experience with Harvey Weinstein, and, and Tarantino and Tarantino as well, Tarantino mm-hmm. even more so, and um, and talking about how the Me Too movement extends beyond like just assault and abuse, and it's really just a culture in the industry. And we've both worked in the industry and seen it firsthand. And in fact, the first time we met, the first time we were on a film set together, um, we watched as. A, do you want us to tell the story? Yeah, basically, it was my first set. Um, we were, I was eighteen, and <clears throat> Jack and I were production assistants. We were basically just doing the catering, and. We, there was a young female makeup artist on the set. We were shooting on a farm. We'd been told by the, you know, the safety officer in the first AD, do not go into this paddock. There's really, really long grass and there's probably going to be snakes. It's really hot. It's really dangerous. Nobody stepped foot in it. Um, and we were shooting sort of far away in a paddock and on a megaphone, the makeup artist got called down to set. Um, she was obviously being a little bit cautious because she'd been warned about the snakes and was cautiously navigating her way through the long grass when she got just in front of everybody on the megaphone again. They just said, hurry up, darling, you're not on daddy's yacht anymore. As um, she's trying to get over a barbed wire fence with, like, two hands full of tool kits of, like, gear that she had to get out she there. She couldn't be further from anyone's yacht by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, and so she was yelled at in front of an entire crew um, by, you know, a male professional who was two or three times her age and nobody stood up for her nobody said anything and they really people just laughed oh my god and she was so not getting paid like he was getting paid to be so there she was the, volunteering this the, the scenario that brought you three together <laughs> this is um the first set that jack and i were on together and yeah. then i later met andre mm. when he was at afters a couple of years later um but basically this sort of casual misogyny and way of speaking to female crew members is my whole experience in my career and um, it's a culture that exists every day that I've ever been on set Um, and yeah. I mean like when the first article dropped I remember like calling Courtney up because I think the thing is is that like these experiences aren't surprising to any of us that talk about it like whether we're queer or female like these experiences are just like day, day to day. Um, but people were so surprised when the Harvey article dropped and I remember Courtney just like flooding this post out um, and talking about like private radios that like all male crew members would have on mm. set. Like, Yeah, that's definitely something I've witnessed on several, um, you know, professional television sets that I've been on is that certain all-male departments will have, everybody has a radio on set and certain all-male departments will have secret channels where they will openly discuss you know, women that they might want to, that they find attractive or that they want to sleep with, but in much more derogatory terms that I'm not going to use. And I remember going up to one of my friends and saying, you know, what are you doing? And 
it's just sort of this sort of behaviour is just kind of laughed off and there's this thing that sort of exists in the Australian um, film and television industry that's people get away with this doing awful things because they're old school and I find this term thrown around a lot where if I'm asked you know well what's that person like to work with someone will say oh you know they're they're old school which kind of just translates to being a misogynist racist bully in Mm. my experience and they just have been able to get away with it and Mm. if you try and you know if you try and say in my experience if you try and say anything or bring it up to somebody close to you even I've I've just never felt really heard or listened Mm. I hate those words that are used to sort of um, protect people who are just obviously not good. Oh, they're just old fashioned. Oh, mm. yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Do you do you feel like Courtney is starting to see a shift now that all of this stuff is coming to light? I I am starting to see a shift actually. Yeah, I am. And the next um, show that I'm going to be going and working on to once my broken arm is healed is a really young art department, and I'm really excited that it's going to be a kind of fresh department I think yeah it's really exciting as as much as it's so frustrating and I was just saying to Jack earlier I didn't think I could be more angry at like all this Weinstein stuff I I thought that all my anger had been kind of let out and then yesterday when I read the article I was so angry again you know Mm. um what do you do with that anger well I think I think that sometimes you know, it just makes me go, I want to quit, which is kind of what I did last year, I think, a little bit. But now it just empowers me as well. And even just yesterday, I had a breakfast with lots of female colleagues who work in the art department, and I find it so helpful to just talk to each other about our experiences and um, support each other. And I think also a really female thing to do that I we were talking a lot about yesterday is at work, um, really put yourself down and feel like, you know, you, you say, I'm, I'm not experienced enough to do this job or I, I probably don't really know how to do that. Whereas a lot of men at work, I noticed, would never think that way. And that I think that's kind of how they keep, I don't know, getting further than some women do because they just have the confidence. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories today here on Mornings on FBI Radio. And I'm sure you're giving a lot of women the power to... Uh, speak up and stand up and and recognise what's sort of been going on uh, under under the cover for so long and that's now starting to come to light. If anyone who's listening has experienced misogyny in the workplace, please text in your, your stories and the industry you work in to 0409 945 945. We'd love to hear from you. And if you don't want us to share, you can make mention of that in the text as well. Thank you so much to Courtney Mulvey for coming in and sharing, as I said before. And thank you to Jack and Andre, mm. our film lords, for bringing yourselves and Courtney in. Thank you, Courtney, for bringing our film lords in. So nice to be back. Um, and also, if there's any... Anyone out there that's kind of feeling angry but wants to feel empowered instead, I suggest go to YouTube and type in Jill Soloway, The Female Gaze. It's a really amazing masterclass that she did. She's the creator and director of, um, writer of Transparent, which is a really amazing um, queer show. And I don't know, do you, can you guys think of anything else? 
I can vouch for that. That's a really good keynote. Yeah. It's really Let's amazing. Let's get a link up yeah, to that on the totally. program page, yeah. fbiradio.com. Go to Mornings with Bridie Tanner and you can have a look at that. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks FBI. See you next week. It's the Boat Show with Kid. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.